Welcome to the Doxa Dialogue Podcast. My name is David Rudy. I'm the pastor at Doxa Church, and this is a podcast about living life on mission for the glory of God. Today, we have the world's best hardware store manager, Jeremy Hartman. That is very true. Yeah, I'm glad you noticed. I appreciate that. It's a great qualification for yeah. wisdom. I think so. And that is the topic for the day. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Spoiler alert. Yes. Yeah, but how are you doing, Jeremy? Doing well? Oh, today has kicked my tail, and I would say not doing well. So glad to be here. Glad to yeah. be here. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome appreciate to the table. It. It's going to be a better night by the time this is Eventually. Awesome. It'll eventually be better. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have Sally Enns. I'm here. How are you, Sally? Doing well. This week's been a good one. Um, there is a major toilet paper shortage in this city. Oh, if anyone yes. is not aware of that, buy it up if you see it. Costco is sold out. Food line is sold out. This is really happening. This is just... It is. What are we going to do if... got two if, kids. Are, are, is there, is there going to be yeah. a black market for the, for the toilet paper? Yeah. I mean... Gonna go to Amazon. We can go to Amazon, right? There's at least hopefully Amazon. Hopefully. I don't know. Like I've been seeing people selling face masks on eBay for like a hundred bucks each. <laughs> normally like three or four. So I don't know if you're freaking out out there. I hope you're not. I hope you're not sick. I hope no one you know is infected and being affected by all this. But uh, we're gonna have to not fear. Trust the Lord. We are talking about wisdom, and Proverbs 3.13 says, Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gets understanding. There's a lot of verses in Proverbs that talk about wisdom. Really, it's, it's the wisdom book, and it's been really fun just preparing for this, reading through Proverbs. Proverbs 24.13 says, My son, eat honey, for it is good, and the drippings of honeycomb are sweet to your taste. Know that wisdom is such to your soul. If you find it, there will be a future and your hope will not be cut off. Isn't that great? Like we should go after wisdom. This should be something that we're pursuing and desiring just like we desire honey. Any any sweet tooths who love honey? It's so beautiful how Proverbs lays out the pursuit of of wisdom because it's not some boring thing like we're trying to stack up knowledge like it is yeah. beautiful and sweet and there's such full life yeah. to be experienced as we pursue wisdom in a way that we'll be going over through today yes and that's one of the things that i have not really noticed very easily until really recently is that wisdom is really connected with happiness a wise person is going to be a happy person. And if you're not pursuing wisdom, a lot of times you're going to be stuck in untruth or you're going to be stuck with like false ideology, which is in turn going to make you a very unhappy person. Proverbs 16 talks about this. For he who finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord, but he who misses me injures himself. All who hate me love death. And... To get wisdom, it is better than gold. To get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. It is a matter of life and death and ultimate eternal happiness. All that people long for will be found by those who first get wisdom. So today, we want to talk about what wisdom actually is, how to find it, and we will tell you right now, it does not require a thousands and thousands of dollars spent on a college degree to find wisdom. It's available to every single one of us. 
so today I do want to walk through two big ideas. First of all, what is wisdom? And then secondly, I want to talk about how we can get wisdom. Proverbs 9.10 is probably one of the best places to start. And that verse says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So wisdom that leads to a life that has joy begins with knowing and fearing God. Fearing the Lord means that we aren't just afraid of him, shaking. That, that whole concept is a concept of respect. Fear seeking your refuge in someone else other than the Lord because we need to keep our eyes on him and stop, stop trusting ourselves, stop trusting other things. Depending on God to meet our needs is a way that we fear the Lord. Romans 12.2 says that we should also be renewing our mind which is then able to examine and approve the will of God. And Paul calls that spiritual wisdom. In Colossians 1.9, he says, We have not ceased to pray for you that you may be filled with knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So, of course, the wisdom which follows God's word and the wisdom which discerns the way to act when there is no clear word from God, those things aren't separate. It is precisely by saturating our minds and hearts with God's word that we gain the spiritual wisdom to guide us in all situations. So when the Bible says get wisdom, it is referring to that practical knowledge of how to attain true and lasting happiness. It begins with the fear of the Lord and consists in humbly hearing and doing God's will perceived both in scripture and in the unique circumstances of the moment. So secondly, how can we attain wisdom? Well, first, I would say, trust Christ. When you trust Christ, you get the Holy Spirit. And then from there, I think there's a few specific things that we can do. We can desire it with all of our might. Proverbs 4, 8 says, prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you for your embrace. And those are not cheap words. To prize something and embrace someone are signs of an intense desire and love. Wisdom must be valuable for us. We must be willing to sell all in order to buy it, to seek it like silver and search for a hidden treasure, like Proverbs 2.4 says. Secondly, I think on top of the desire, we should add, it's found in the Word of God, so we must get in the Word and read the Bible and study to see what is true, what is not true. God's Word is perfect, reviving the soul. And the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. This means that we do need to be readers of God's word. And I saw an interesting stat about this. You know, a lot of us, is it hard for you guys to read? Like, is it easy for you to just read a book? I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot or anything. It's, it's easy for me to read. It's hard for me to find time to read. Yeah. 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 That's with... Full-time job, two kids, enough time to spend time with my wife, ministering to others, you know. Right. It's uh, It takes a, a huge intentionality and, I get and it. purpose to to make the time. It's not finding the time because the time is there. Yeah. It's yeah. to make the time to do it. Yeah. I actually enjoy reading. Yeah. But it is hard if it's not captivating or if it's something just tough. Right. It definitely right. makes it hard. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I love reading too, but it can be tough to make the time, like you're saying. Absolutely. Like, it's weird. You go in different seasons, and 
I'm totally not opposed to reading, but yeah, there's a lot of things to read out there. I almost feel like phones have have been a detriment to my my own reading. That makes because sense. Yeah. I can easily just like get on there, read a news article, listen to a video, and I've found like I don't read as much as I used to because I always have that quick little article at my fingertips, yeah. Yeah. which is like a distracting kind of pull yeah. so in a way. legit, a big reason, not, not a good reason, but a big reason that I have not read as much in recent years is because at one time it was very much an idol of mine. Mm. Uh, mm. Really great topic, like the pursuit of wisdom. So like yeah. hermeneutical books, apologetics books. Like yeah. I would read, like I was the dweeb that would read Greek philosophy for enjoyment. <laughs> right. Like very much all the time. Like, and I, I found much pride and, and joy in the pursuit of wisdom outside of Christ. Yeah. And it became an idol. So because of that, I drew away, focused on other things in the relationship with Christ, but took took away what was necessary in, you know, the study of God's word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I caused idolatry to bring me away from it. I mean, I, I'm thankful for what God has taught me, but yeah, I mean. Mm-hmm. It's, it's yeah, that's good. Thing. Yeah, that's a really good point. Like. We can easily pursue wisdom through reading mm-hmm. outside and, and it kind of like wall off our relationship with Christ, which is defeating the purpose. Right. Like it was yeah. all like Christian yeah. stuff. Yeah. But it was I was putting it over Christ himself. Yeah. Like I was reading more books about Jesus than Jesus' actual words from from the Bible. Sure. So. Yeah. And letting him speak directly to you through that right. Holy Spirit. This is where I was getting at on the whole thing. This was a great little rabbit trail. But if we read 250 words a minute, 15 minutes a day, which is pretty much just average. Like, that's how pretty much how fast people would read. But if you read 250 words a minute, 15 minutes a day, you could read about 20 average-sized books a year if you just set aside 15 minutes a day. It's not bad. So isn't that kind of crazy? Like, whoa, 20 average-sized books crazy in one year if, if you're crazy. just consistently reading for 15 minutes a day. And like this was – when I read that and I was thinking about just the whole side of to really gain wisdom, you do want to saturate your mind with the word of God. I mean I have an advantage because I'm a pastor, so I'm, I'm in, in the Bible every day studying and preparing a message. But I'm going to start doing just the set-aside 15 minutes to read an extra book. Um, you know, I used to do that all the time. I have, I've gotten away from it a little bit with kids and, and just the busyness of life that sets in. They also say, I'm sure we've all heard this, like you shouldn't be in front of a screen before you go to sleep. Like you mm. for like 30 minutes, you should have like some unwinding time Guilty. that's not in front of a screen. And I, yeah, I usually, either I'm talking with Julie and then she falls asleep and then I either just decide, okay, am I going to go play destiny or am i gonna go uh go to sleep right now and most of the time i'll go play destiny for a little bit right so even if i do that i'll end 15 minutes early and then just read and then it'll help my body go to sleep better too so that's a good challenge yeah that's my challenge yeah so hold me accountable docs of dialogue family yeah that's really sound advice for people who might be overwhelmed by the immensity of the bible too Right, you know, because there's so much packed in there that I think sometimes we we try to do more than we can necessarily handle. Sometimes, yeah, instead of just taking it slow and just you know reading, and as we're reading 
listening to God speak through his word. So 15 minutes a day, you know, that like, yeah. really causes us to slow down and, you know, not, not rush it, not try to do too much. Just, right. just read and listen. And if you're a person who can't do it right before you go to bed, because I get that. Some people are just exhausted. They go to, they have to just go to bed. Like, figure out that 15 minutes another time. But anyway, reading God's word is one of the things you have to do to grow in wisdom. Third is prayer and you know, Colossians 1.9 talks about this, the spirit of wisdom, and Ephesians 1.17. I mean, Jesus Jesus talks about it. If any of you, well, excuse me, and James puts it as clearly as we could wish. He says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. That's James 1.5. So prayer is a big one. And then lastly, this one is going to sound a little morbid, but to think frequently about your death. <laughs> and to put it another way, think about the shortness of this life and the infinite length of the next life. Psalm 90 verse 12 says, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. That's black and white what the verse says. So it's saying like, look, think about the fact that your life isn't going to last forever. Just thinking about that paints a canvas to where you start thinking with wisdom. There is scarcely any thought that will purge our priorities of vain and worldly perceptions like the thought of the fact that we're going to die one day uh, or how, how cleansing it is to ponder the kind of life we would like to look back on when we come to a place where our time is over. There is great wisdom in such med- meditation. Therefore, think about the fact that you're going to die one day. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of perspective when we, when we come face to face with the reality of death, mm-hmm. uh, perspective of where we are now, you know, what we're leaving behind, you know, who's being influenced by what we say and do. So yeah, yeah absolutely. That's it, as hard as it might be for some, but at the same time as, as believers, we have hope of eternity in Christ. So it, it's not really morbid, you know. Yeah, it's, it's like yeah. it's like an anticipation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's so true. Like when you're thinking about it as a believer, it is an exciting thing. Sobering. Yeah. All right. That's a good word. A question that has stuck out to me as I've been thinking about this topic of wisdom today is where do we go to find our wisdom? I know you touched on that a lot going into the Word of God. That is the biggest source of wisdom we could ever encounter. Yes. However, there are a lot of external forces in our lives that influence us. Right and whether we admit it or not, we are getting wisdom from one place or another. We're either shaping the world or the world is really shaping us in that mm-hmm. regard. Personally, for me, my parents were a big moral compass in my life. I'm very blessed in that regard. I know not everyone has that in their lives. For some, you know, guidance may have come from a good teacher, a mentor, a caring friend. But no matter the source, wisdom is really all around us if we truly desire to seek it. That's so true. There's a lot of people out there that have wisdom that, if we literally started asking some questions mm-hmm. and just opened ourselves up and looked, yeah. looking for it, we would, they would be glad to share, wouldn't yeah. they? Like, I've be a seen little that. more vulnerable. Just Absolutely. ask. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the key is, I feel like 
it's a lot of times we get caught up with, oh, I'm young. Oh, I don't have that person in my life that guides me. But the beauty of what you mentioned earlier from James 1 is that we can actively seek it and that God gives it freely. Mm-hmm. And I know you've mentioned this before, but James 1 says, If anyone of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Amen. So that being said, I just wanted to share with you guys a little, just two little bits of solid, random biblical words of wisdom provided by my parents during my childhood. Some humorous, some dead serious. (laughs) (laughs) The best way to do it. Yep. My first bit of wisdom is courtesy of my mom. Shout out to mom. Yeah, mom. You're listening. When we were young and we were dying to have that candy bar at the checkout counter or more realistically those rubber slappy hands from the coin machine. Oh, the best. They still have those out there? I know y'all have kids. I I, oh, I love them. I'll you play them now. I know. I, yeah, they're rare, but I, yeah. think, mm-hmm. I think they're still there somewhere. It's a rare find. Yeah, those places that like haven't changed since the 90s, you mm-hmm. know, those are the places you got yeah. to find. Yeah, like the Japan house? Yes, yes. Japan Pretty sure house, they have too. those. I, right on. Anyways, but when we were begging for something at the store like that, my mom would always tell us to buffet our body and make it our slave. <laughs> Dead serious. Like, That's great it was funny. advice for a child. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It works because it, it, it puts a little fear in you. And you're like, is she yeah. serious? I'm sorry, using that I can also see childhood. where you've gotten some of your sense of humor, perhaps, yeah. from, 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 my mom. from Mother Dear. Yeah. <laughs> but that was her way of telling us there's just no chance. Don't even <laughs> don't even ask. But we'd always reply to that and say, no, Mom, I think you meant buffet your body. <laughs> You know, let's stop by Golden Corral on the way home. <laughs> but I used to just think that was a funny phrase she would say until I grew older and realized it came straight from 1 Corinthians 9.27. Yeah. Which said, but I buffet my body and bring it into bondage, lest by any means after all I have preached to others, I myself should be rejected. Just an interesting little thing my mom used to say that really affected me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's really good because, I mean, a lot of people don't understand, you know, that, that whole concept because of just the language change. Mm-hmm. But really, Paul is talking about the fact that he's he's limiting himself. He's putting himself in this position where he's more focused on the mission that Jesus has for him, which fits perfectly with the whole theme of this podcast, like mm-hmm. living on that mission for the glory of God. So. He doesn't want to do things that would disqualify him, even if it was, even if he was had freedom to do it. Like he was just going to be cautious. Yeah, err on the know? side of caution. Yeah, yeah. It's a good reminder to keep ourselves in check so we don't lead others astray mm-hmm. by the things we're doing. Even if we feel like we have the freedom to do it, yeah, it still could cause other people to stumble in a way. Yeah. So that's my first bit of parental wisdom that I receive as a child. My second piece is something that both my parents used to tell me. It's don't let people look down on you because you are young, but set an example. Mm. Which comes almost verbatim from the first First Timothy 4.12. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. So this is a good word for a lot of our younger listeners out there. If you feel like you're too young to make a real impact, think again. Lean into that wisdom of knowing that 
You really do have the power to change your environment and your school, your friend group, workplace, wherever. When you feel like things are tough, and A, remember you can always count on God, but B, you can only be responsible truly for yourself, your emotions, and your actions. And like it says in the verse, set an example for your peers and elders through the way you speak, act, and how you love others. Seek wisdom, and it will be given to you freely as a free gift. Uh, So those are just some tidbits of some applicable wisdom that has been shared with me throughout my childhood and shaped my life. Do either of you happen to have any little bits of wisdom that anyone shared with you, maybe when you were young or whenever? I got a couple. David, do you you have any you want to start with? Here, let me think about this for a second. Okay. Yeah. So I got two that have legitimately shaped how I make a lot of decisions and react to a lot of things in life. So the first one was given to me while I was dating my now wife. And it was on the topic of, you know, getting married and whatnot. We were we were still in college and, you know, just really figuring out, like, you know, when the best time to propose and get married and all this stuff. And, like, what, what do we need to have prepared before we get married? He, he at, one, at one point, was my youth pastor. Now we worked side by side in ministry. And he said... You'll never be fully prepared, so just trust in God. Hmm. Hmm. And what he was getting at is like you can you can prepare and prepare and prepare. And this this is this is applicable to anything in life. Like you could get everything in order, but there's always going to be something else that is is needed. So, like yes, pursue preparedness, but more importantly, trust in God that he will provide and he will take care because yeah. yeah. when me and my wife got married like I didn't have a job for the first month we were married because I had just moved down here to South Carolina yeah um, like we had just like it's legit when, when we got married it was the first time we've ever lived in the same state wow. so we didn't know how that was going to work like we didn't have <laughs> a ton of money uh, but we trusted we trusted God and you know he provided and took care of us and created a, a fruitful ministry and marriage through it. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, awesome. That's great. And uh, the other one came from our coach, and some people might have heard this advice before, worded a little differently. I'm going to keep it PG because it could be worse than <laughs> I've heard before. But legit, like, like this is a, a weird advice, but it legit shapes how I respond to a lot of things. <laughs> so he was like, Excuses are like buttholes. Everybody's got them, and they all stink. <laughs> like, I know people have heard that before, but like that legit is like that blew my mind. Like I was uh-huh. I was a junior in high school. Like that's so true. Like, yeah. We can we can either take responsibility for something, or we can make an excuse. But the, the excuse it just it just stinks. Like yeah. no one wants that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those that's those good. Two just really stuck with me. <laughs> yeah, good. right. Life changing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> that would stick with you for sure. I I had thought of so there's so many things that I think about my parents. I've I've really learned a lot. And in, in just as you were talking, and I was you know racking my mind thinking about all these different ones. I've heard some similar things that you've that you've just said there, but it really points out to me how everyday life provides so many opportunities for this kind of stuff. I mean, we just saw in Ephesians 6 last week, and this is slightly off topic, but I'll bring it right back. But in Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, it talks about, 
you know, with parents, you you need to instruct them and, and discipline them and bring them up in the way of the Lord. And he points back to the Old Testament. There's a promise there from Exodus 20. And we see in Deuteronomy 6 where similar similar passage where all this stuff is being told, how God establishes the home. And we're as parents to speak about God, the love of God, who he is, contrast light with darkness. When you're on the way, when you're like walking to place to place, when you know, you're, you're cooking and having a meal, like every aspect of life, we can be pointing things out. And that's, that's the way I grew up. My parents always pointed out truth and one thing that was really interesting, it was in the, it, I'll, I'll try to broaden the context a little bit because it was in a more specific context and it's always stuck with me. But my dad basically was explaining how, son, you know, when somebody doesn't want to do something and when somebody, and, and, and you want to do something and they don't want to do the same thing that you want to do, and they're trying to basically get out of that, they're always going to present it in a way that puts them in the best light. So it's probably not going to be the real reason, but it's going to be something that makes them sound good. <laughs> and that, I mean, that's always like stuck with me. Like, oh yeah, that's kind of true. Like you hear an excuse from someone and it sounds all great. It's like this big spiritual reason, but it's usually not. I mean, cause we all do this. Like it's just, oh, yeah, I mean, I'm not denying that I yeah. wouldn't do the same thing. Like I'm going to paint myself in the best picture. And I'm pr- it probably is a kernel of truth there for sure, but it's probably not the real reason. Yeah. <laughs> so that's just something I've always had in the back of my mind yeah. of, among thousands of different things. Right. Yeah. 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 It'll all come to you in the middle of the night. You'll be like, oh. Yeah, right. right. I had a great one to share. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's a good thing about these snippets of wisdom or advice. Like it, They always tend to come up when you're dealing with these specific situations. Like mm-hmm. You don't think about these on a on an hour-by-hour basis, but in moments of life where you're being shaped and making decisions, like, like oh, yeah. that's right. Like, this is, this is what that meant. <laughs> yes. Yeah. If any of you out there have any wisdom from your youth or your adult life, yeah. feel free to share it with us on Please our Instagram. Do. We would love to hear about that from you all. That'd be great. Doxa underscore dialogue. So to kind of end us off, I really wanted to take a look at kind of what it means to live in wisdom as believers. But before we get into the the heart of of this, uh, you know, I got a question as always for you guys. When you think of the wisest person ever, that could be dead or alive. There's no other option there. But like any time in history. Who, who's the wisest person ever? The first one that comes to your mind, go. C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis, big one. First person that came to my mind was Albert Einstein. Yeah. Well, but I, I, you know, I don't know if he was more wise or brilliant, but, you know, Tim Keller then was like, like the next yeah. guy that just popped in my the head. The list goes on. Oh, there's, there's a huge mm-hmm. list. I always go to like, once again, you know, the Greek philosophers like Plato, yeah. Socrates, stuff like that. Yeah. Like that's always what pops in my mind first. Okay, so we'll just go with Einstein. Yeah. So it says first thing that came to your mind. That's what yeah. we're going with. We'll go with C.S. Lewis for you. So so why? Like why why are the, why does that person come to your mind first? I think it was the hair. I think it was That'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I 
Yeah, probably because he just has so many things figured out on such such a deep level intellectually. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably why that that came to my mind first. Okay. C.S. Lewis, I feel like he just has the ability to take such complex philosophical concepts mm-hmm. and paint them in easily understandable, entertaining scenarios. That's such a better better answer all around than, than my Albert Einstein. That was good, Sally. <laughs> he also has good hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't... It was a great answer. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not about the darker answer, just so you know. But I wouldn't say it's like a better answer because I, I want to take a look at, you know, who we perceive as as the wisest in history, and kind of compare it to to God's word, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. understand why a lot of these people are, are truly in the truth of God's word are not not really wise. Mm-hmm. So we look at First Corinthians one. 18 through 31, and I'm, I'm just going to go go ahead and, and read through it. So it says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who was wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since, in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs, and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolish of God, foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and stop right there. We'll, we'll get to the the last few verses in a little bit, but I, I want us to compare what we view as wisdom of the world, and also we're going to do a little bit of pigging back off of yours, David, because it was just a great foundation for this whole conversation. Thanks. Um, so you you laid out how we must attain wisdom, but here we're looking at you know godly wisdom here on earth. Hmm. So we don't see anywhere in Scripture, and especially not here, the pursuit of wisdom outside of the pursuit of of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So when we look at many of history's greatest thinkers or philosophers, and I'm going to include Einstein and even C.S. Lewis, and I'll, I'll kind of make a contrast with him as well, because um, that, was, that was actually a really good answer. Um, but the, these men and women dedicate their lives to deconstruct our worldview mm-hmm. and try to find answers to the same question questions they are asking. So in this regard, wisdom has become synonymous with asking life's deepest questions but without the answer so when you when you really think about it some of these great thinkers and and philosophers you know they're they're asking all these deep questions that really make us think differently about the world mm-hmm. think differently about ourselves but they're never truly giving us an answer right you know they're so they're, they're dedicating their lives to search these answers yeah and but but we never get them from because the, even Einstein has left a lot of questions that are still unanswered that scientists are yeah are pursuing and 
Even the Bible talks about that with Mars Hill and Acropolis, you know. Yeah. Like the Greek philosophers just spent all day, every day debating things, talking about things, but they never really settled on like what is black and white truth. <laughs> right. And like awesome, like I love how they deconstruct our thinking because we need to get outside of our own thinking most of the time. Yeah. But we we can't call wisdom we can't call it wisdom when there's no answer. They're just asking a question, right? Mm. So, and and where C.S. Lewis contrasts is you know famously he was an atheist asking those questions, and the more he searched, the more questions that came about, and the only thing that was bringing the answers was Christ. Mm-hmm. So when we look at First Corinthians one. It brings us to reality that it is not worldly wisdom that reveals what is true wisdom. Wisdom in Christ shames all that attempts to answer any question outside of him. It's because when we when we continue on, it says, For consider your calling, brothers, that men, not many of you were wise according to the worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. So in that very same passage, we see it is laid out that as believers, we are not called to some pedestal. We are not, we were not created to be the best on earth. But what we see as 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 it is written that Christ shames all of worldly wisdom through those of us who are considered fools hmm. that this wisdom is beyond the, what the world is can even comprehend it is utter foolishness for those who are not being saved by his grace and mercy you know it cannot make sense and cannot answer any question to those who are perishing yeah but, it is very counter to to what the world believes and very counter to what the world says so that it it is almost as if we are we are fools wasting our time and to be clear this does not mean that those who are perishing will never know the wisdom of god because we see in this very passage that god uses the foolish and the weak of the world to shame the weak and the strong. Because it's in shame, we see that there is hope in Christ. Yeah. The world cannot save the world. So when we attempt to argue or debate in the logic of the world or in the wisdom of the world, then we are not presenting Christ. We are presenting more problems. Yeah. In order to shame the wise and the strong, we must present Christ, which is foolish to those who do not believe, so that he 
may boast in himself and we boast in him. So the wisdom of the Lord tears down the wise and the strong so that they may be built up in him so that no man may boast. Yeah, when Christians don't just preach Christ, when we get off and start going into like maybe our own idea, our own concept, like that's when Christians really can sound like kooky to the world. You know, like why are they so upset about this or why are they on that tangent? Like mm-hmm. it, it just, it looks bad. An intelligent, smart person from the world can like just see right through that. But when they truly see the foolishness of Christ, the fact that, wait, you believe what? You believe that we're sinners? You believe that God created this this world? He spoke it into existence and you're confident about that? And then they see how that has changed us. The gospel has made us a new person. That kind of wisdom really does stand out to that intellectual in the world. It's it comes across as like, oh, that's just foolish. I can't understand it until they're until it's until they're they're enlightened by the Holy Spirit. But it is the way to represent Christ. It is the way to preach the gospel. And if we don't do that, if it's just like us getting mad the same way that they're mad about stuff, right? We come across as the idiot, just like, you know, <laughs> somebody who knows Jesus knows, well, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't, that doesn't add up. Like, yeah, they're not lot, different. Like Christians who don't preach Christ and preach their own idea and their own agenda do sound the same way. Right. Mm-hmm. And just to be clear, like this is in no means a pushback against the pursuit of wisdom because, right. you know, it is very clear in God's word that we must pursue wisdom in Christ. So this is not, this is nothing to do with the pursuit of wisdom. This is how we live in wisdom in this world Mm. and how it contrasts with worldly wisdom. Because once again, this whole conversation, like we find happiness and joy in wisdom. So, and that is only found in Christ. Yeah. So all these things work hand in hand. So as, as we pursue godly wisdom, we must live in a way that is humble and in many ways seems foolish to the world around us and can only make sense to those who are in Christ. That is godly wisdom. Thanks for listening. And to second what Sally said, we would love to hear any quotes of wisdom that you've picked up on over the years, maybe that your parents have said, or that that have really just meant a lot to you lately that you've had to rely on. That would be a really cool thing. Please tell us that in the comment section. And we're going to come back next week. As always, same bat time, same bat channel. But thank you for listening. You are loved.